back of Inge Britson is going to do in the 1500. He has time to look behind him. 20 years of age, and he is on top of the world. But coming down for a maiden national crown, Cornwall is a champion. Garouge has run his race, or has he? Has he got anything left? El Garouge trying to get there. Kipchoge the junior's there. El Garouge is trying to get to the line. Kenya wins it. Kipchoge takes Vivian Chariot's turn. And what a proud moment for her and the Kenyans. The first woman from her nation to take the 5,000 metre title. Vivian Chariot in Greenland. On the outside, Oli Hall of Australia comes. Jake Whiteman has just spent. It's going to be Chariot and Hall who's going to get it. It's going to be Australia, the gold. Pre-order now and make a difference. Experience the ultimate in trail running with the Tarkine Trail Devil. With its impressive combination of eco-friendly materials and advanced technology, this footwear is designed to conquer any terrain. Whether you're looking to run UTMB or simply explore the great outdoors, the Tarkine Trail Devil offers unmatched versatility, support, durability and comfort. Featuring a lightweight and responsive design with loads of support, your legs will thank you as you crush personal bests and conquer new terrain. With our company focused on sustainability and ethical manufacturing processes, you can feel good about your impact on the planet. Also, as a pre-order promotion, you have the opportunity to decide where 10% of your order fee will be donated. All pre-orders will receive their shoes during May to June 2023. Visit Tarkine.com. Hey everyone, I'm excited to share with you a fun chat I had with Reese Edwards. Many of you will know Reese as a marathon runner. With a 213 PB to his name, at his best, he sits comfortably within the top 10 in the country. Just outside of that elite few who make the major champs teams. But recently, Reese has started turning his attention to the ultra trail running world. With a win at UTA Australia under his belt, Reese is already known as one of our best endurance trail athletes. We caught up with Reese for a to the point chat about his running, training, racing, and more. But before we dive into it, if you dig our work, please do us a huge favor and hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review. Reese, good to have you on board. It's been a long time coming. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, Reese, I hear just before we get into all the meaty running stuff, I hear you, you just got married. Congrats on that. Where did, where did you head to your honeymoon? Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, headed up to Hamilton Island for the honeymoon. So getting away from the Victorian autumn was bloody nice and lots of sun. I've got some Victorian and UK skin on me now, so I've got burnt the whole time. So I'm a bit red right now, but uh, yeah. no, I had a great time up there. You're definitely looking quite crispy. Yes. Yeah. Very red. And I didn't realize how bloody hilly Hamilton Island is. I didn't do much running because it's too hilly for me. Oh man. The, um, so you just, you ran Buffalo Stampede the other day, right? The other week. Is that, are you kind of in recovery mode from that still? Um, uh, to be honest, I never really trained specifically for Buffalo Stampede. It was just something that an opportunity came up and I didn't really have any marathons coming up. So I just, jumped in it kind of I wouldn't say last minute but about a month out I decided to do it so I just did it off kind of road prep so yeah I kind of chilled for a couple of weeks afterwards because I didn't pull up great from it just because I wasn't prepared for it nice and you you came second hey 
Yeah, it came second. Yeah, my my, my quads, because I, I was just doing road running, I hadn't stepped on the trails for about, since Cozzy. So it had been like four and a half months since I stepped on a trail, hadn't run up a hill. Literally Anderson Street, the tan in Melbourne was the only hill I'd done. And so my quads were gone by about 30K. Shit, man, that's 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 pretty yeah. brutal, hey. Yeah, um, so yeah. you've just been back on the road. So does that mean you're training for another road marathon or is that just easier with your lifestyle and stuff? Uh, it's easier for where we live as well. And just because of my job, you know, Monday to Friday, it's just easy to do road stuff. But, yeah, I want to do Gold Coast Marathon. And then the plan is I reckon I've been contemplating what I do after Gold Coast Marathon, but I think I'll finally maybe make the decision to go kind of train specifically for ultras and for trail work. Gotcha, man. So, I mean, I was just obviously doing some research for this. I was looking back over your your track times and that, and you've got obviously the 5K you ran like 14.36. Probably could have done a bit quicker, I presume, if you did more of them. Um, 10K on the road, 30, 30, about 30 minutes, and then marathon 2.13, you know. So, obviously, you, you think you can you, – you, you're backing yourself to – Go a bit quicker than two thirteen, or do you just want to knock another one out before you move? You know, move on the trail. Yeah, I think Gold Coast is the one Australian marathon I've never, well, major marathon I've never really done. I've done Sydney now, Melbourne twice, so Gold Coast is always the seems to be kind of the fastest and one of the biggest ones in Australia. So it's just one I've always wanted to do. So that's why I do that. If I can run a PB, brilliant. If I can run two twelve, mate. I always said to people, if I ever ran a two twelve, I'd stop running. So dangerous dangerous game i'm nearly there <laughs> yeah um, you uh the 213 that was rotterdam hey yeah so i've run 213 twice uh three seconds apart actually but rotterdam is my pb yeah and uh and you ran um i think it was chicago too is that right yeah so my first ever marathon was in chicago which was a 216 um which i was training really well for went to altitude and then for about the 12 months after Chicago, I had a couple of bad marathons, never really trained properly. And then it was in 2021, I kind of got my shit back together again and I ran a 2.14 and then about four weeks later, a 2.13 in this Austrian race. And then that was the same year. And then in October that year, I ran my 2.13, 23 or whatever it is. That's my PB. Nice. How did you like you know, people speak highly of Chicago, um, Chicago, Chicago Marathon, obviously not the city, but how did you, um, yeah. how did you enjoy racing in Chicago versus, say, Rotterdam? Yeah, so Chicago was like a, like atmosphere-wise, so much better. Um, I was an elite in Rotterdam, whereas I was just like a sub-elite in Chicago, but still Chicago put on, for sub-elites, they put on such a great show. Um, but the crowd and the atmosphere in Chicago, like, was you know, a hundred times better than Rotterdam. Rotterdam only had a little bridge that had a bit of a crowd, whereas Chicago, I would say 35, 36 kilometres of the race, you've got like two deep people, a crowd kind of around the whole course. So yeah, it's a whole nother level. I was chatting to mate the other day who's raced Berlin, Chicago, New York and um, Boston. And he was saying that he thinks mm. that Chicago just has the best atmosphere, hey? Yeah, and Chicago is cool because you go through like different parts of the city where it's like the, I don't know, the Chinese part. One minute you're like, shit, am I in China? And next minute it's like the Mexican part. You're like, I'm in Mexico. And then next minute it's like the, another Latin part. And you kind of go through all these different parts of the world almost. Classic. So are you um, are you training with Dick Scott in Canberra at the moment or you moved? Where are you and what's, what's the go with all that? Because I know you used to be with Dick Scott, hey? Yeah, so I was with Dick Squad until... Uh, the end of 
end of 2018, I stopped training with Dick because I moved away from Canberra. So when I left okay. Canberra, I've actually, yeah, I've been self, so I've been self-coached ever since then. So it's been four and a half years of this self-coach stuff. So that's why my results are sporadic because, you know, I haven't got a coach to hold me in line. And is it, when, when you say self-coach, is it kind of like a Dick Telford like clone system or is it, as Ray said, was gone and just shoved all this cool shit on top of it? So the first, so 2018 to 2020, it was just a Dick Telford clone stuff. And then I moved to London. And as soon as I moved to London, I got introduced to how the Brits train and I got to see, so now I've just got this, uh, nothing like Dick, I would say my training doesn't resemble anything like him. And I just have my own random shit that I reckon works for me and the crazier, the better almost. Sweet. And how, like, how is it different? Like in terms of, I mean, I think most, a lot of people listening to this will know how Dick coaches and his athletes, but how, how did, what were the main changes, you know, when he moved to the UK and saw how those guys were doing it? Yeah. So I think, you know, Dick and runs a similar approach to all Australian coaches where it's like a session Tuesday, session Thursday, session Saturday, long run on a Sunday. And those sessions are all run kind of threshold paces. So like pretty hard paces. Whereas the Brits, it's kind of maybe one midweek session and then one big session on the weekends. And this is the marathon approach. This is what I found. So we'll do one big session on a Tuesday in the week and then Saturday we'll do a, uh, intervals that might be 30, 35 kilometers in length or like a long run of 40 kilometers, but the long run would be run hard. So, you know, you could run 40 Ks at 325 pace. Um, whereas with Dick, our long run was, you know, 440 pace because you were buggered from doing three hard threshold sessions. Yeah, totally. And so when you, on the weekend, when if, let's say you do a 40K hard on the weekend, obviously you're not, on the Sunday, you're not doing a long run, right? You're just, you're just chilling or what happens then? You, you would just chill, yeah. So, if, and we'd always, so with the guys who are, if I was training with them in London or even here, if some of us, depending on work and depending on what we've got on, social commitments, you may swap it around. It might be do it on the Sunday and have the Saturday easy. If you did it on the Saturday, the Sunday's easy. So you just swap it around to whichever suits people. Sweet. I mean, it's pretty similar to a lot of Americans, really, how they train even even some of the track guys. Hey, just two big sessions a week, and um, yeah, know, yeah, it's not all. And that's it. Like Dick's volume in his sessions would be six point eight to maybe eight kilometers, whereas you know mine would now be my midweek one might be fifteen to twenty kilometers in volume. Then my weekend one might be you know twenty five to forty. And I'm presuming the other five days, it's kind of just cruise around, just chat into mates and not really not really working yourself too hard. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that for for most of them, maybe one day or twice a week. I probably run my easier runs a bit faster now because I don't do the same amount of volume. Um, with my job, just, you know, don't get out and double as often. I take sleep over doubles. So I'm only running maybe 160K. So I probably run my easy runs a bit faster than what I did with Dick now as well. Are you are you a physio, right? Or, yeah, yeah, physio, yeah. Gotcha. And so you um obviously you work in full time or you part time or now full time. So I work at like Epworth Hospital. So I work in kind of the neurological field of physio. So whenever I'm with other runners and they ask me sporting questions, I don't have to answer. I can just say, Oh, I'm yeah. actually a neurophysio. Mate, that's awesome. The um so um I just wanted to get into I mean you've got the got you've got Gold Coast coming up, so obviously we know what's happening over the next six weeks. You just you know, you've got another three, four weeks training, then you, I guess you're going to taper, right? And so, um, what after that, you might hang up the road shoes and you know head to the trails. So, what will be the goal then? You know, head overseas, or are there more Aussie kind of events that you can target? 
So I, I've looked at, so obviously I went to Kosciuszko at the end of last year. I DNF'd. I ha- want some redemption there. As you know, I just want to finish the bloody thing. So listening, that's a hundred mile. Hey. Yeah, that's a hundred miler. And I got to 141 Ks and I pulled pin. Uh, I mean, I'd walk in from 135 and I just, you know, I wasn't eating correctly. I was having two gels, maybe one gel an hour. And I just completely cooked myself. I was very rookie. So I want to I want to get back and finish that bloody thing. I don't want it to, you know, have that one on me. So I reckon Kosciuszko Myler is where I'll definitely head back to. And it then... Was, it was legit at, snowing yeah. during Cozzy Hay. Yeah, so the first kind of... Oh, it's from the start line. There was snow. And then... So you're running in snow. I think about 15K in, you know, it's dropping halfway down your shin. you got snow and things like that. It was an amazing event. I'll give it to them. Like, the snow added to it because you went from, you know, snow and freezing cold through some wet kind of forest. Next minute you're down the lake and it's dry. It was it was really good. Um, shame I didn't finish it, but, yeah. I was talking to a mate um, that ran that race. He finished he finished in the top kind of four, I think, or top four or five, I think it was, yeah. and just before. And I was saying I was saying that he was saying that you were in the race and you're saying that, look, he's a 213 guy, but 100 miles is brutal and, you know, it, yeah. uh, it's a bit of an equaliser. We'll see how he goes, you know. And so I thought it was, it was pretty yeah. I don't think, and I think, yeah, I don't, with all my mate's a great runner, but I don't think he's broken three hours for the marathon. You know what I mean? But yeah, he's just a grinder, yeah. just keeps going all day. You know? Yeah, and I think a lot of people got satisfaction out of my failure at Cosy <laughs> because uh, I'd I'd rolled on. You know, my first ever trail was Tarawira, and I went and got the win, and then I turned up at UTA and got the win, and I think everyone enjoyed seeing Cosy and seeing the the bubble burst. So. Um, but you know, I learned a lot from it. Um, and you know, in, in my eyes, I think people are going to have to get faster because the thing I learned that day, which no one would actually think this is next, I'm probably going to blow up in every ultra I do, but next time I'm going to make sure I'm an hour up the road. So yeah. I'm, I'll go, I'm going to go out a lot harder once I'm fit. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Man, that's awesome. I interrupted you before you were saying, um, in terms of other Australian based races. Yeah, with the trail stuff, I I haven't looked at heaps because what I think oh, my plan will be is, you know, Cozzy, and then I want to line up, say, Tarawera, maybe go to America and overseas early next year. So I think I can say this now, but I'm expecting a kid um, the second half of this year. So oh, right. in October. Yeah, so in, in October, so which is really exciting. So um, it will just be – I'll just stay domestically this year. It's um not a great year for me to travel, but – Hopefully early next year um, we can get over to America and maybe chase the chase the Western States um, entry and potentially you know chase the UTMB entry as well. Nice man, um, that's great news about the about the baby man. Congratulations. Yeah, no, cheers, mate. Yeah, yeah, um, it's all happening, man. Married, taking on the trail running world, kid dropping. Oh, no, I feel like an old man, mate. I feel like an old man. <laughs> the um, how old are you? Am I like, uh, th- 32. Oh, yeah. Young, man. Pretty young, hey. Yeah. Especially for young, long, long shit. Yeah, young for the ultra game. But I reckon the ultra game's only getting faster and you need to be younger, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so how did, you know, getting in the Western States, how just a lot of people listening to this are coming from a road background, given Runners Tribe's kind of history, you know. How do you get into Western States? So there's 
two ways. So the the way everyone gets into it, most or the average person gets into it, is I think there's a lottery, and I I don't know how many years it takes on average, but I think it can take maybe. 10 years to get your name drawn from the lottery you probably have to finish a certain number of 100 mile races or 100k races to get your name in the lottery um so that's how the everyday person does and then the other way to get in for which is targeted at elites is they have golden ticket races a bit like your old willy wonka chocolate bar thing so you have you know five races per year or it might be six races and the first two finishes will get what's called a golden ticket and that's your entry into western states and I think it can roll down. Say if the winner's already got an entry and rejected, you can come third or fourth and still make it. So um, I find the golden ticket system fascinating. I find it great that you have to earn your spot. So I'll probably never put my name in the lottery and I'll go all in on the golden ticket stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And comparing this to, say, UTMB, like I get, um, you know, there's different geography and they're pretty much different races, but is... um. Is UTMB the sort of event that you would also want to target one day? Or Yeah. Yeah, so I know UTMB has heaps of elevation, but I spent a bit of time in Chamonix and I met a few of the locals around there and went out onto the trails. And UTMB itself is kind of a runner's race, which is why someone like Jim, you will see, will go on and win it. And the guys winning UTMB are great runners as well, whereas some of the other UTMB-related events like that TDS, they're more, you know, your mountain goats and technical terrain. But UTMB itself, the, the trails aren't super technical. Yes, it is mountainous, but a runner can be really, really competitive there. So I think, yeah, it's something that I'll have to spend more time in the mountains and focus on, but I reckon it's doable. Yeah, and um, it's like, is that the sort of thing like you would need to move to the mountains or like can you, are you just do you plan on doing that from where you're based? No, I'd have to I'd have to do some sort of relocation or um definitely you'd have to get over there. You'd want to, I reckon you'd want at least 10 weeks prior to be in, say, the mountains in Europe just to be smashing your legs. It's more the conditioning of the muscles, like running down a mountain, say if it's a 20 to 25 kilometer descent. We just haven't got anything in Australia that you can run downhill for 20 and 25 kilometers. And I actually reckon when it comes to UTMB, it'd be the um, downhills that after Buffalo Stampede, which I learned the hard way, it's the downhills would be the hardest part to train for. Gotcha. And so is that is that just because it pounds your legs or is it the technical yeah. aspect or kind of both? No, nah, oh, more so the pounding. So it's like what we call eccentric load. So your quads are like lengthening whilst they're trying, whilst they're being loaded. So it's like a real vicious kind of um, loading process on your quads. So it takes a lot longer to recover. So whenever you've got DOMS after a race, it's because of this eccentric loading and that's what running downhill does. So the technical aspect, I think you could pick up pretty quickly, um, but I think you've got to condition your body for it. Awesome, man. Um, and qualifying for UTMB, is that a similar similar sort of process yeah i think utmb the organization have made it quite easy to qualify for utmb now they have because they've put they've got so many races out there maybe 32 or more the competition is really kind of just it's not as much there it's not you can turn up to races with no depth and you have, might have to finish top three or top 10 at certain events to get an entry but people there's no competition now because they've just kind of flooded the flooded the um series Gotcha. With events. Hey, did you um in terms of like descending and just you know flying down hills and stuff on trails, do you need to did that take much adjustment for you coming from the road? You know, I've met so many road runners, you see them on the trails trying to 
descend and they they look incredibly uncoordinated and shit at it. You know, is that was that an issue for you, or was it did that does it just come naturally? Yeah, so I'm still terrible at it. So Matt Crean, who beat me in Buffalo, he would second that. He's just putting time into me on every single downhill. <laughs> um, so oh yeah, I have a lot to learn. But I think what it is is like once I I didn't see the Buffalo course before it. So all of it was blind for me. So I reckon if you turn up and, you know, SAU team B, if you go and practice a couple of the descents, it might only take a week. And once you know a descent, you can fly down it. It just takes a few few practice attempts at it. Oh, but it's not as big of a deal for me. I came from a bit of cycling background, had a few crashes off my bike at about 75 Ks an hour. So running down a hill is not so bad. Yeah, shit, hey. Hey, talking about that, I was I was hearing that um, in your younger days, you kind of used to do, um, you were into triathlon and cycling and some of your cyclists, you know, you'd ride up to seven, eight hours or whatever, kind of um, in the hills west of Dorigo. How... Is this true, you know, that I this shit that I heard? And also, um, how did that, like, obviously, did this set you up pretty well for a life as an endurance power runner? Yeah, absolutely. So I was 18 years of age. I don't even know why. Like, at that point, you just want to party. And, I mean, I was still partying, but I got into cycling. And, yeah, we'll just meet up some locals, start our ride at 4 a.m. So I'd be leaving my house sometimes at 3.30 in the morning and, uh yeah, turn up and ride eight hours, probably, you know, 200 kilometres, 220 Ks with about three, 4,000 metres elevation. And, you know, he's come back in just after lunch, absolutely cooked. And we'd do that every Saturday. Um, and then a couple of times we pushed it to the next level and did a couple of 500 Ks, which took, you know, 20 odd hours. But, uh, yeah, it was just something that I got into. And I probably did, uh, I'd say, two years worth of that from 18 to 20 years of age, two years of just, these massive long rides just for an adventure. And I've had some very, very dark days doing it. So I reckon it's got me primed for the ultra running world. And were you doing that because you wanted to be a cyclist or were you doing that just to be a crazy bastard and go for long rides for fun? Well, this is like pre-social media, pre-YouTube and shit, right? So like at this point in my life, I, I didn't come from an endurance background, so I didn't actually know how to train. So I didn't know what an interval was. So I just thought, oh, shit, the more Ks you do and the longer you ride, the better you're going to be as a cyclist. So deep in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, see what I can do in cycling. But obviously I was training completely wrong for, for cycling because it wasn't doing any intensity. So um, I think it started off I wanted to be a cyclist and then I worked out I was a bit of a nutcase and, you know, always wanted to go further and longer and just got addicted to finding, like going to new places and stuff as well. Do you still cycle now, like to you know, to cross train for the for the running, or not so much? Not not so much. I um, I might get on the bike trainer every now and then, just once a week. But um, when I was doing a lot of this, I hadn't actually met my partner, and I've had got a lot of scars on my body from a lot of crashes. So she's not super keen for me to go out there and do anything silly. But also in the back of my mind too, I don't I don't want to go out and like get hit by a car or do something silly on a bike when I'm training for a running event, but yeah. I'm definitely going to go back to it. Did you break many bones when you came off at 75k an hour? Actually, all good. I've just got like some permanent scarring, but um, the scaphoid bone in my wrist, there was just like bony edema, but there was no actual break. So now I'm break free. Man. Yeah. Um, and what about the tries? So you obviously you got into triathlon after you stopped cycling and then you went from cycling, from tries into running, hey? Yeah, exactly. So it was a lot of the bike crashes. I did a few criterion races and stuff, and I was having a lot of crashes. 
So I was, thought I'd do a triathlon just because I was kind of over crashing and that got me into the triathlon world. And then I realized quite quickly that I was probably naturally better at running out of all the three legs. Um, running was always the one that I was actually best at and I trained less of. So that was my kind of transition. Once I started studying physiotherapy, needed more time in my day, I just transitioned to running through that. Nice, man. Yeah. Awesome, mate. I just wanted, um, I think that's about it, man. It's all I had to really chat about. I wanted to just knock this out so people can listen to it on a on an easy kind of recovery run and not, you know, not not take up two hours of people's time. And the um and it was awesome to chat and good luck at the goal in Gold Coast and, and beyond. Maybe we can have another quick chat um later this year when you've got a you know big European race or whatnot on the horizon. No, cheers, mate. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay.